Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Kyle Porter. And the season never stops for us, Kyle. We roll on here with the First Cut. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Uh, I've got a I've got a hot take. Uh, no surprise. But I, I want to hear first about your uh, poker extravaganza on, on uh, what's today? To, on Monday night, Monday afternoon. Yeah, it was fun. It was, um, I mean, it's weird, right? Like that, that game that I played in, which is being live streamed and everybody's mic'd up and you can see all the cards and all that stuff it's like very much entertainment first and then like it basically turns into these you know there's a bunch of big pots out there and everybody's drinking and having fun and all this stuff but it was it was a blast to be a part of for sure uh what was the the background of it like how did how did did you end up in it what was the what the reason for it it's an invite only game. Uh, they run they so they run these games five nights a week on Hustler Casino live stream. And um I don't know, it's just like I started watching it a couple of months ago and I was like, oh, like that's interesting. And then I kind of know like a friend of a friend and the guy who runs it. So I was able to get myself a spot in the game. And as you know, like so the game that I wanted to play was the Monday game. And there's only like five Mondays a year that I would be available to go to LA and play. And yeah. This one was one of them because normally okay. like my golf stuff. So I made the made the trek down there uh, yesterday and played for five hours. Did you know anybody that you were playing with? No, I met them all for the first time. Okay. Yeah. Now they a lot of them play regularly in that game, but that was the first time I'd met anybody. Did the stream of it get more uh, more? fewer uh viewers than bedminster the live bedminster <laughs> honestly honestly it's probably pretty close <laughs> <laughs> Which, i don't know what that says about live or about like the hustler casino live stream but it's probably pretty close. they get yeah they get like i don't know like a hundred thousand like live views or whatever it's like pretty crazy that's that's more than live bedminster probably yeah. uh, i i wish we could we were talking about i was talking about this in a chat with some guys today like I wish we had real numbers on all this stuff. Even like, I don't know, the Nielsen ratings for our stuff or for NBC. You're like, I don't know what any of this means. You know, like, tell me how many people tuned in. Tell me how old they were. Tell me how long they watch. And it's just, I feel like it's almost like purposefully uh, clouded. It's purposefully like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like opaque. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, so, okay. So let's, let's run this. So, you know, CBS or NBC, when they go out to sell sponsors, they are obviously saying, this is how many people are watching. And the, this is the demo. And here's what we think their 
disposable income is. Are they getting numbers from Nielsen or are their own internal numbers that they're able to track? It's got to be third party. There's too much money at stake for them yeah. to to provide their own numbers. But I yeah. I guess I just like, okay, the Open Championship got a, I don't, this is not even a real number. It got a four rating I, or whatever. Well, <laughs> We're gonna. We're about to talk about this. Context is everything. Like, okay, what does that even like? The you know what the most useful TV stuff is is when they rank um, the top hundred shows of the year and the top thirty-seven are NFL games, right? Or play or playoff games. You're right. like, okay, at least I at least I have the context of knowing like what the most watched thing was, what the second most watched thing was, and so on and so forth. When when you have these individual, and this goes back to the live being on YouTube. I don't have a problem with it being on YouTube. I, you and I, like, I think it's easy to make fun of you and I, I think are of the generation or at least adjacent to that. It, it's like all the same thing. You're just, you're watching all the, you know, like it doesn't matter what platform it's on. I, I just want to know how many people are actually watching. I consume a ton of stuff on YouTube and my quote unquote cable is YouTube TV, right? Like I just stream it. It's all, one yeah. it's all, it's all the same. Um, can I do my hot take before we get into live? Yes. Okay. I got an email today from the good folks at Starbucks. I don't go to Starbucks very often. I email to you, huh? A personalized email to you? No, no, no. It was a marketing, you know, they probably have a 7 million, probably more than that. Probably 70 million subscriber list. Uh, I usually get it on the road. Like when I'm at events or whatever, I'll occasionally go, for like a iced coffee when I'm at home, not very often. Uh, I usually just make it at home. So their promotion today, Rick, was they have their their pumpkin drinks back. Of course. Okay. It's August thirtieth, mm-hmm. and they are promoting this. Uh, we're not even close. To, we're three weeks away from uh, fall. We are like seven weeks away from Texas fall because it it's still like 98 degrees here and i i wrote about this i think actually uh coincidentally in normal sport last year i went to the grocery store on like august 6th last year and they had they had pumpkin spice cheerios like either either like make this is like the fedex cup thing either make it like year round year long or like make it actually seasonal and don't make it like seven months out of the year question are pumpkins actually seasonal? I have no idea. Right. Have we, have, we, a- have we just associated pumpkins with Halloween, thus with fall, with autumn? But like, are pumpkins growing year round? Well, I mean, is peppermint seasonal? Again, that is a fabricated uh, connection that we have between peppermint and December. Well, I think the I think the thing that bothers me is that is that it feels like they're trying to just squeeze every last dollar out of me because they keep introducing it earlier and earlier. For, no, yeah, for sure. They have a ton of data that says like if we just do this a week earlier every year, like we're just people will buy it and you'll get this sur- you'll get this huge surge at the start. Yes. Yes. And then, you and- still make it limited, limited. It's like six months. Yeah. So I'm just annoyed by it. I'm probably actually gonna go get one later today, but uh oh. <laughs> it did work, but it's still annoying. Maybe it worked because it, or maybe it's annoying because it worked. Uh, I have another offer for you. If you're interested, 20% off first cut merchandise for the rest of the year. That's our 
little fall special, our little marketing. We don't have 70 million subscribers, but uh, I'm telling you here on the show. And there's a link in the description on both the audio and video versions. You can go get your, uh, the etched glasses are really nice. I've got a couple of stickers. I've seen the hats and the shirts out in the wild. If you're watching on YouTube and Jacob has the graphic handy, there it is. There's a QR code that you can scan or you can use the code FIRSTCUT20 at checkout. Um, I would like to see some of these in the fall, in the, uh, the West coast swing. So when I, when I get to like Tori and all those events in the, on the West coast swing, I want to see some first cut merch. I've seen some out there already in the wild. Yeah. I was at, when I was in Wilmington, I saw yeah. first cut hats and shirts. I need one of those glasses to drink my iced coffee out of. There you go. Now we're cooking. Uh, we got to do live and we got to do our season superlatives. Let's do the live stuff. And mm. it is now official. Uh, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, Harold Varner III, Cameron Tringali, Honor Bonlahiri, Joaquin Neiman signed with Liv and will play in Boston. Uh, this is not a surprise. This is, I, I was talking to Jake before we went hot. For as hard as it is to report on this stuff, the reporting's been pretty good on the guys that go to Liv, right? There haven't been any huge misses. Uh, the Cam Young thing. But he himself, we'll get to it. He himself was like, uh, yeah, I was pretty torn, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, we can talk about that in a minute. I think the reporting has been good. Uh, and, and I think especially so when you consider like how much it benefits live just to have everybody's name sort of out there, right? That's been talked about a lot. I think the cam... I saw Hank Haney said that uh, people are going to try to tell you Cam Smith's not a big deal. It's like, who, who's arguing that like Cam Smith's well, well, keep up the the tweet, Jacob, or the quote. It's like, no, Cam Smith, is, he won the players in the open. He's the number two player in the world. Like who thinks he's not a, who thinks Cam Smith's not good? I, I don't like nobody. I don't think um, there's that meme. That's like, there's always someone on Twitter arguing with no one, saying stuff like, but I was told Steph Curry wasn't a good shooter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like... What should we have going cool. on? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what it felt like. Uh, this represents, Rick, I went back and did the numbers. I got them wrong, and then I redid them. Uh, of the last 26 major championships, 12 of those have been won by live golfers. So that dates back to the summer of 2016. 12 of 20? Uh, the last 26 major championships, 12 of those majors have been won by live, uh, based golfers. So it's, it's cam, obviously it's Phil from last year, which is crazy. Uh, DJ's won two, Kepka's won four Reed, Sergio Stenson and Bryson. I think that's, I think that's all 12. I might be missing one or two there, but, um, that's a big deal. I tw I I was talking about that earlier today. Like it's significant that they keep grabbing um that they keep grabbing major winners. And it's not just guys, it's not like I think this gets made into oh those guys won majors a long time ago kind of, but like they've gotten a major winner from each of each of the last 6 years. Like every, there's a a major winner, at least one major winner from each of the last six or maybe seven years is playing live golf. And that's not insignificant. And it's something that should concern the tour. 
but I think the other thing, and I want to talk to you about this specifically, Rick, is yeah, there you go. I had it wrong. It was I said twelve to twenty four. I couldn't count to twenty six apparently. So we're homeschooling our kids, which is going well. Um, <laughs> like it does does this in your opinion, Rick? Does it matter? Does it do anything for live golf to get? the number two player in the world. It's bad for the PGA tour. I think we all will like, can admit that can say that. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it, does that necessarily mean that it's good for live golf in terms of building a business and a league that they want to clearly that they want to contend with the PGA tour. So that, that part, right. If, if you're, if you're looking to build uh, a global tour, a, a worldwide business, in which you can eventually sell the teams as franchises or whatever you want to call them. Cam Smith um, is a really important piece to that. And we've talked about Hideki Matsuyama being uh, an important piece of that, who we'll talk about in just a second. But Cam Smith represents the best golfer from an entire continent that is generally underserved in the world of golf and most certainly underserved by the PGA Tour. So, uh, and, and Cam Smith had had some quotes about this in, in Golf Digest talking about, um, you know, potential live events coming to Australia. Australia. Like if, if that to me is the, the biggest thing for Cam Smith. If I asked 100 random people on the street who won the Open Championship or who Cam Smith is, I don't think you get a lot of answers. But when you start building, when you start building this to be a money-making endeavor, Cam Smith is a really important piece of that. That's interesting. I, it does. I said this on HQ. It does feel a little bit like you're getting this split between we've got the American tour, which is ironically led by a European. um, And we've got the global tour. And I don't love that for the PGA tour. I, I want, I mean, think about, Think about how much fun going to Royal Melbourne was for the President's Cup. Now, that makes our job harder, and it's probably not – like, it, I, I think I have a, I have to have real questions about, like, what is the most lucrative thing? Like, what is the best business decision for something like the PGA Tour? Obviously, for Liv, going global when, when, when the PGA Tour has this sort of stronghold on the United States – that's an obvious, like, that's going to be in our best interest, I think, to do that. And, and in a perfect world, I want the tour to also, like, go to Ireland, to go to Spain, to go to, um, you know, wherever, like South Africa, like all these places that you could play amazing golf courses and present your incredible product to the world. But I don't know if that's in their best business interest. And it certainly is not in our best interest because it makes it a lot harder to cover. And so I I think that that's going to be interesting because if, if those two continue to split like that, you could see Rick, like you could honestly see a tour that is the global tour and one that's the American tour. And that doesn't mean it would be like perfectly split where only Americans played on the PGA tour, but it's sort of trending in that direction. And I think that's, I think that's pretty fascinating. I didn't see that coming at the beginning of the year. There is a lot of global opportunity in golf. There's a ton of it. It's a, it's a sport that's played basically everywhere. And the PGA tour focuses a lot on 
North America in general. Do you, th- uh, is, are there other sports examples? Obviously like there's the NBA, that's kind of like your North America, your United States league, but like there's like the Euro league. And then there's like, I, I don't know if there's like a split where it's just two it's this in America or this in North America and every, the rest of the world is something else. Does that, does that an example like that exist in any other sport? Um, this is not a good example because they're not the same thing, but I guess NASCAR and F1. Interesting. Right? They're, 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 popular. Like NASCAR is, is very much a American centric, very popular sport. Yeah. And then I think you could argue like the MLS against the problem is there's like there's 50 other leagues. So it's, it's, it's like the MLS against everything else. Um, it's not bad. That's not bad. It's obviously not the same thing, but that's the idea of that is interesting. Like NASCAR, it, NASCAR is not going to go to Australia or NASCAR is not going to go to Europe, right? Like that just doesn't, that never happens, I assume. Right. I mean, there's business, it's a horrible business decision, right? Yeah. Because you, you, I mean, I would think, I, I don't. I don't know. And it, and then like for F1 to just land in America and say, we're going to do, you know, 16 of our 18 events in the United States, that would be a bad business decision because you lose out on this global sort of market that you've been um, that you've been catering to. I, I think, you know, the thing about golf, Rick, and this is the thing I wanted to kind of land on is <clears throat> I was thinking about Cam Smith I, and hear me out. Like, I'm not saying Cam Smith is not important. He is. I'm not saying he's not good. He is. Like, I would be a moron to sit up here and say that he's not important and not good. But I wonder if, like, I wonder how many guys are important and matter outside of the context of the PGA Tour. Like, Liv is just so... um I don't know if this is a word uncontextualized, non-contextualized that it's like, I don't know. Like I was thinking about how every, everything that you, when you took, when people talk about the NBA, when Zach Lowe and Brian Rossillo and Bill Simmons and all these guys talk about the NBA or the NFL, every single thing that they talk about from the draft to free agency, to preseason, to everything, obviously every week, centers around or it's contextualized by winning the NBA finals or the Super Bowl, right? Like everything is, is ha- like you're, you're operating like through the prism of looking at those two of, of that one thing in that individual sport. How does this affect the NBA finals? How does that affect the NBA finals? You don't always say it like that, but that's what you're, everybody knows like that's what you're meaning. And when, and when live exists outside the context of the four major championships, so the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals or the World Series of Golf, not to be confused with the world, the actual World Series of Golf, but when live exists outside of that, I just don't know if any of these guys, even somebody like a Cam Smith, even somebody like a like let's say JT had gone to live today. I don't, I don't know if that matters because like, there's just no con. Now I will say when you start adding more and more stars and they start beating each other, that provides a little bit of context, but, but under this like weird, not in the ecosystem of the golf majors, that lack of context 
it just almost buries guys on that tour into perpetuity until they're able to, if they get OWGR points or whatever, until they're able to gain that context. You might disagree with that. I'm curious about your thoughts. I, I actually, I would almost take it even further because I agree with you, right? When you remove like Bryson from the contextualized ecosystem that we know, it's hard to figure out what Bryson is. I'd say it goes even further. Like Cameron Tregali is a perfect example of this, right? Cameron Tregali is the guy who has won more money than anybody on the PGA Tour without a victory. If he were to win on the PGA Tour, it would be like, okay, I get this. He just had this, whatever, 400 event run and this strife and this challenge and he finally overcomes it and he wins and he and he's now got one official PGA Tour win. If he goes and wins this week in Boston on live, how am I going to, how is he going to feel about that? How am I going to feel about that? How is golf going to feel about that when he couldn't get the job done on the PGA tour? And we might look back in 10 years and be like, Oh, remember when Tringali won the fourth live event? And now we're in whatever the, the, the 100th live of it. Like that was an amazing victory, but that just, that doesn't exist now. Yeah. And I, to live's credit, it's so hard to start something up and and create context and history right away. History is part of the context. So I don't necessarily, it's not like, um, it's not, it's not even necessarily a knock against them. It's just sort of the, the, um, the reality of the situation. And honestly, Rick, like if we're being critical here, I think the PGA tour does a bad job of, of contextualizing its events throughout the year. Now I think you're seeing a, a better job of that with the elevated stuff. I think you could see, I know the guys over at the fried egg, like Will Knights and some of those guys have written a lot about the FedEx cup. And like, what is, what does that mean? Sometimes, I mean, we, we talked about this on here. It's like when you allow 125 guys into the playoffs, I'm like, I don't, man, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm what I'm like, does this, make the regular season unimportant does it make it it just like i don't think they've done a good job of contextualizing what their sort of league is outside of something like you know the players championship and 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 they're starting to do that more i would love to see the fedex cup playoffs and and a season-long champion or whatever however you want to say that kind of follows suit and i hope that they start to do a better job of that because i i don't think it's I mean, they have history to lean on, which is a lot of context, but they I don't think they've done a great job of contextualizing kind of the present day. And, and, and man, they sometimes like, I think they sometimes ignore the majors because it's like, oh, well, this is the PGA Tour. And it's like, well, no, the majors are part of your context. Like this guy went and, and they've done it more. Like you, you finish top two in the John Deere, you get into the open. Like that is good context. Like that makes me care about who's in fourth place at the John Deere because it affects the, the open championship the next week. So I don't know, just more of that stuff I think is, is helpful for leagues like this. Joaquin Neiman seemingly had a very difficult decision. The reports, if, if correct, he went to, he went to Boston unsigned, which is probably why the delay in announcing the field earlier this week. But uh, Neiman is part of that agency. I believe it's GSE, which has been a pipeline to live almost every single one of those guys. And, and I, I think Mito Pereira also represented um, he's been reported going to live. He's not playing in Boston. He's, he's posted things about his excitement of the president's cup. So maybe this is a, if, if factual, a post president's cup uh, defection from Mito Pereira, but um, he's not on the list just yet. Yeah. The Neiman thing 
we can save the the Mito thing because I don't want to. I don't. I mean, who knows, right? Like, I don't know how that's going to go. But if you're okay, how about this? If you're the tour, would you rather have uh, Joaquin Neiman for the next twenty or Cam Smith for the next ten? Years. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think Cam Smith for ten. Really? Yeah, I just think that so twenty. Both of them are so long, right? I mean, imagine what we felt about Ricky Fowler five years ago compared to what we feel about Ricky Fowler right now. Think about all these guys that like, like the windows are just so small and you're going to get so many new guys. Like, I don't even know what Joaquin Neiman is going to be in two years, let alone 18. And I think, I think Cam Smith is more important globally than Joaquin Neiman is. That's, that's. That's and probably I, fair. I think, I think yeah, he is better. I think that there are also more Australians that could fill that sure. void, which I I don't know. Again, like, do you if you're the PGA Tour, do you this is probably a really stupid question. Um and I people will probably get on me about it, but if you're the tour, do you need Australia as a market? <laughs> I mean, like I what what you're in Australia? How many people live in Australia? It's it's like I think it's small, like twenty million. Twenty five. Okay. So like, what is? I don't know. That's part of their global deal with um, with Discovery, right? With Golf TV, is that the tour gets shown in in those markets, right? I think that's right. Uh, I don't know anything about that. I I trust you on that. So, I, so, so the 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 uh, media rights in America in the United States are NBC, CBS, ESPN, right? And yeah, no longer TNT. Uh, globally, it's and you can jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, producer Jacob, but I believe it's through Discovery, which is which is the golf TV deal, which okay. I think goes out to different countries and continents like Australia, and that's how they got it view the pga tour is that right producer jacob yes where does where does sky sports come into all this uh i believe that the the discovery slash golf tv deal i believe that's just all i want to think that's like the digital rights oh okay digital global rights so that that would essentially be like your streaming options would be like gotcha you could pay to do that i believe that's a cord cutting option like you know in in the in place of if you're somewhere in europe outside the uk you know you would be able to pay the golf tv as almost like a separate standalone subscription to get pga tour golf again i could be wrong there i also don't know how contracts work uh (laughs) so but i believe that's my understanding it's it's sort of the blanket uh you know on top of the entire globe so if you if if somebody in the chat actually it lives in Australia, which I don't I don't know if that's happening right now, but will you tell us like how you watch the PGA Tour? I, I would really be interested by that. I mean, it could be Fox. Fox is a big sports provider down there since since that's where that originated from. I don't know if the answer to your question, Kyle, is like yes, the PGA Tour needs Australia, but I think when you start boxing out regions or cultures or whatever that's a slippery slope right and it's like and then you've got like zero 
zero leads in that area. Right? Like, like if you ever wanted to do any, like, I don't know. I just feel like that's a dangerous game to play to be like, ah, we're just out on Australia. Somebody said, uh, Australia is Fox. So clearly, I don't know how TV contracts work. I, I think producer Jacob is right, though. The digital stuff is Discovery and and uh, Golf TV. Uh, yeah, it, but I mean, and that's sort of what Liv is exploiting, right? Yeah. Uh, Fox is, so this this guy says Fox is Australia and Eurosport covers most of Asia. And then Sky Sports would be, um, would be Europe. And yeah, and that would be the context of the TV deals. Yeah, I think that the right. golf TV is more akin to like the PGA Tour live yeah, coverage okay. that we that, get in the United States. That makes sense. Um, I forgot where I was on this. Oh, this is what Liv is exploiting. Is is they're saying like, hey, if you're not going to go to Australia and you're not going to, and again, like I don't know that it benefits the PGA Tour to do so, then we're gonna we're gonna exploit that, and that's fine. Like that's that's great. Um, if, if, uh, if Liv wants to do that, I, I think that, I think, I think a big part of the tourist problem is like, wait a second, like you're infringing upon our territory in the United States. And that's why we're not releasing our guys to play. And I mean, that's one of the reasons we're not releasing our guys to play is because it, it dilutes our product, you know, and it, and it makes it, um, it makes it less attractive to uh, meet to, to TV networks to, to purchase the media rights. So I don't know. Um, my other question for you, Rick, is I was thinking about this. I have come around on thinking that, like, do I think Saudi Arabia is doing like bad stuff for sure? Do I think the Saudi Arabian government is essentially funding this league? I do. But even knowing those things, I also think that they want this product to make money and to work, right? I don't think they're super interested. Everybody talks about Uber and all the places that they're invested. They're not super interested in just like throwing their money away into forever, right? I don't think. I, I think this. I think initially it felt like that because it was like sports washing, sports washing, sports washing. And I definitely think that is a thing, but I also don't think it's so much of a thing that they're like, yeah, we'll just like pour $10 billion into doing this and like roll Graham McDowell out to talk about human rights. Like that's, I don't think that's like what they're interested in. Well, I'm not always sure how much of a reliable narrator Greg Norman is, but that was one of the things he said from the start is like, this is not a blank check. I know it might feel like that, but this is like I'm we're this is gonna have to make money at some point, which I I tend to agree with, but again, there's a lot of different ways to make money. For sure. And that's what I want to talk about because I I think that when you sign Cameron Tringali for what did coach say the, the Harold Varner number was on Sunday? Said, I'm not going to say any numbers, but let's just say it's about four years and 12 and a half million. I'm like, coach, you just said all the numbers. That's so it. is that 12 and a half a year or total? Uh, he was, he was saying it's spread out over, oh no, 12 and a half a year, 12 and a half okay. a year. Yes, yes, yes. So that is just not, like, I get being a startup and trying to burn money to make it later. 
I just don't know if like getting middle of the road PGA tour players is the, is like the way to do that. Right. Because like, like, is that like, are you going to pay Harold Varner 12, Harold Varner, the third 12 million is Harold Varner, the third, even bringing in $12,000 to your, to your, to your business. Hey, can I offer you uh you know, Context to Harold Varn the third before we before we start slandering my native charlatan. <laughs> He's got two professional wins, one in Saudi Arabia, one in Australia. Yeah, that's true. He's more popular globally than he is here. No, I think he's pretty popular. I just don't know like what it does for your like I mean we've talked about this too. There the the Liv's big thing is like they have to get some sort of media uh rights like some sort of contract right because their whole their whole model is predicated on hey our teams are going to be super valuable because they're going to be sort of folded into this individual sport and when they become super valuable because they're shown on tv a bunch of rich people are going to want to buy them well last time i checked rich people don't like to buy things that lose them a ton of money and unless you can find 10 or 12 or whatever however many people rich people to buy a team just because they want to hang out with like Phil and DJ, then I just like, I don't know like what the path is to getting a TV is, is signing Harold Varner and Cameron Tringali the path to, to a TV deal and, and media rights. I don't know. Maybe it is. I, I, I would doubt that those guys are, but I think that I think there's a lot, right? You've got to start building a roster to make the case for OWGR. You've got to start building a roster of people that like are not named. Uh, let's see who got the boot this week. Travis Smith. Uh, yeah, you- but my point, but my point is that Travis Smith and Harold Varner are kind of replaceable as it relates to getting a uh, like media rights. Like, I, because what I'm saying is like, who cares about Harold Varner? Like it's the like you need the Brysons and the DJs and the Phils and all those guys. Yeah, I but don't... you also can't have the Travis Smiths. Why? Because it's a joke. When you have when you have five top twenty players and forty guys in the thousands, it's a joke. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe they can't like, in all seriousness, go to a, a network and and show them the roster of players, and the network's like, wait, what? You know, it, it may, like maybe that's the whole point. But I just, I think from a fan perspective, I'm like, I don't, those guys are like, and this is sort of how I feel for the PGA Tour. If you bring a Corn Ferry guy up, I mean, think about how we feel about Cam Young now compared to to this time last year. If you bring a Corn Ferry guy up and replace Harold Varner or Cam Tringali or Mark Leishman with a Corn Ferry guy, and they're successful or moderately successful in three years, you will have replaced like all the value that those guys bring to your organization. Uh, do we have any, I, I agree with you. Do we have any idea how much Liv is in for right now with like all the reported? I mean, because you start adding all of this up and and this is why they're getting to the point where they're like, oh, our franchises are going to be well, like, they're going to be worth a billion dollars or two billion. So, well, yeah, because like, you're you're already in for you know it's like it's like when a startup gets a a, a funding round of a hundred million dollars and now their valuation's a billion it's like well well yeah because you're like gonna burn through all of this and then some like it feels yeah. uh, like I, they're in they must be in for a ton already yeah 
And I, I do think like, listen, the, the, if, if it, it's a big bet to make and big bets can pay off big. I just am not really, um, I, I just don't know that I see it. I think with like, think about Netflix, like when they're burning whatever, $20 billion a year, I don't know what the numbers are. I have no idea what the numbers are. And you're like, okay, well, that's a ton of money, but I can actually see, I can, I can literally see their subscriber base growing every month. And I can, I understand the math of like how this gets to a certain place. Right. And the live people would argue that that's going to be true of their league. I just don't know that I see the math working out because it seems like they've sort of overestimated the value of both teams and how much a golf league can generate in revenue per year, unless they think the PGA tour is just doing an atrocious job of generating revenue, which I think there's like, I think there's an argument there. Yeah. I'd argue that's fairly true. I think that's, I think that's, I think there is an argument there that they could do a much better job of generating revenue. Um, but it, the chicken or the egg thing of like, well, you have to start generating a bunch of revenue before you can start selling teams to billionaires because they're not going to buy a team in a league that doesn't make any money. Right. Like I, that, that's, I, I think I that's think. the part, that's the part that is, um, I think that part's going to be really interesting. Cause that's, that's what they're betting on is these, yeah. this team valuation. And I don't, I don't like, I don't necessarily disagree with it. I actually think the PGA tour should do something like that because I think it, brings in a ton of money. I just don't know that it's going to work out the way that Lib thinks it is. This is a, we have to move on here shortly, but th there, there are also a lot of uh, just, uh, there's an infinite number of quid pro quo opportunities, right? I mean, it's, it's, Hey, buy a team. Let's do an arms deal. Let's do an oil deal. Let's do like, you don't have to make money on golf and, and, and live and piff have endless opportunities for that. Yeah, it's a good point. And that's that's terrifying. I did, I had not even thought about like that sort of thing. Yeah, there's there's just a million other ways to do it. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point and I think yeah, so your so your balance sheet might be actually like seven different balance sheets that you're looking at and not just the live golf league. Right. Uh no Hideki, no Cam Young. Cam Young was obviously enticed by it, but uh, this has been, well, we, we've known this for a couple days. Uh, he said, I'm looking for the exact quote. I don't see it here, but it was something like, uh, not at this time in my career, right? It was like, uh, maybe at a different point in my career, I find some of this stuff interesting, but not for me right now. Yeah, that was, yeah. so where did he, is that quote in here? No, um, it sounded like he was saying that if it had come along two years earlier or four years later, he would have done it right. That's that's the way he made it sound. I don't know if that's what he was trying to say. Somebody on Twitter brought this up, but does that mean that if he had like major exemptions, like if he had won, like what if he went on the open, right? Like Cam did, or if he was a corn fairy player that didn't know if he was going to get to the tour. Like he he almost acted like he was in the worst position of anybody to take the offer. He's probably right, and and that's what I was going to bring up with the, you mentioned the major championship stat at the beginning. That 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 is a um, mutually 
positive relationship for past major winners to sign live deals. Live gets the credibility of saying 12 of the last 26 majors have been won by our guys. And the major championship winner gets a huge payday and much more likely that he's going to be able to be able to play in majors moving forward. They are the perfect target. They are. And that's why I'm a little surprised. I was going through the major list today. I'm a little surprised that guys like Jimmy Walker, uh, Danny Willett, Justin Rose, there was a report that Rose got kind of close to it, but never, never signed Francesco Molinari. I'm just naming like one-time major winners uh, that have that have been recent. It, it's surprising that, and they've knocked off a bunch of them, right? They've got the Stenson and the DJ and the Bryson and and uh, and all those. But I, I think you're right. That is the sort of the perfect marriage between uh, between player and uh, and league for for live golf. I think the other thing is like they've really leveraged some of the team stuff. Right, they grab Stinson away from the Ryder Cup. They take Cam, Neiman, Leishman, Lahiri, all who, well, two of those guys would have been on the team. Uh, I, I think Leishman would have been on it too. Lahiri was kind of on the fringe, but so you're basically you're you're able in your marketing to say like, hey, these guys care more about live than they care about your Presidents Cup and your Ryder Cup, which is sucks for the Presidents Cup and Ryder Cup, you know, and. Uh, I think that has been obviously one of their one of their plays as well. Uh, without Hideki, it appears like the entire Japanese team got the boot. So a bunch of guys who are no, so like what happens to Henny Duplessis, right? Who finished my guy? He finished yeah. second. Finished second in the first live event. Now in the fourth live event, he's out. He's gone. Uh, Justin Harding out. I mentioned Travis Smith. A handful of others. So I mean, I don't know what all their deals look like, but. Like what? What happens to these guys now? The bottom of the roster. I mean, it's off to the Asian tour, right? I mean, I hope they got a lump sum. Well, I I think for them, like, what was the downside of doing that, right? Like, were those guys? I mean, you could argue Harding was a tour guy. Was um, a, yeah, that's maybe maybe the only one. But like the the down like I think those guys are kind of looking at it like, or am yeah. I gonna? Uh, what about Tanahara? How old is he? I'll look. I just don't know that the downside was that great when, you know, you're like, what what's your career gonna be anyway? Right now, I think I, I think I saw that Harding is playing in the uh, European Tour event this this week. Okay, so where do we stand on that? Um, the, uh, uh, like what where's what's so, the alliance on this they're they're going to be allowed to play dp world tour events well i don't think i don't think dp world tour has an option i think the scottish open thing was a big brouhaha because the pga tour was it's a co-sanctioned event and i think the i think the dp world tour is like what what do you want us to do we don't have fields anyway right like i i don't uh i i just i can't imagine them banning players from playing both Hmm. Any final live thoughts before we move on? Um, I, th I think Hideki's future is really interesting. We didn't talk about that. I mean, we have talked about that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, it may, it actually like, 
man, I, I was thinking about this. I, I've been I've been very anti-live for a bunch of different reasons. I think it sucks for the fan who's trying to follow like all the best players in one league. I think a lot of the Saudi Arabia stuff is not good. If you're Hideki, I think it makes a lot of sense. You've won the Masters. They're not going to ban you from Augusta, right? You're going to get paid for whatever you want. Uh, you're going to get to play globally, maybe maybe more. And I don't know what. Maybe Hideki likes playing in the United States. Maybe he wants to be here and play his golf here. But um, I do think for guys like that, I I think there's part of this that makes sense. And you know, I, I've said some stuff on Twitter about how the uh, like Liv has done a lot of like. Like they've done a good job this year. If if their goal is to like sort of, you know, gather momentum and become the second best league in the world, they've accomplished that. And P- I got I got messages, Rick, that were like, "How much is how much is uh, MBS paying you? How much is how much are you on the payroll?" And I'm like, "Have you been paying attention at all? Because I've got like I've gotten it from the other side for the last three months." And so I just I think. I think people have such a hard time when you say like, Hey, the PGA tour, there's some, there's a lot of good things. There's some bad things that we should criticize that they don't do. We talked about it with contextualization that they don't do that. Well with live, there's to me a lot of bad, not great stuff. There's a lot of good. And we've talked, you know, and we'll talk more about what the good is in terms of providing a product for that fans are interested in. And, um, you know, like sustaining a business into the future. I don't know if it's going to work, but they've presented a lot of things that I wish the PGA tour would adopt. So it's, it's, it's gray. Like a lot of it is gray. Some of it's black and white, but a lot of it is gray. Uh, yeah, I think that's perfectly said. All right, we'll put a pin in it on live. We've got to get to our season superlatives. Uh, however, we've been, we've been bribing the audience, Kyle, with, um, five star reviews and and they give us <laughs> and then we'll, we uh we'll we'll read it online. So I don't know who I don't know who wrote this, but okay, so there's the Jacob showing it now. Give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts, write us a question, uh a comment, a concern, anything you want. We'll chat about it on the show. This one just says, "Hey Rick, what'd you eat for dinner last night?" uh which it's not all that exciting. I was traveling. It was a Chipotle night for me. Although I yes. eat Chipotle probably, oh God, like I probably eat Chipotle like 250 times a year. No, like it's it's outrageous how much I 250. Eat uh, that's like that's like five times a week. Yeah, I eat it for lunch like a lot. Okay. When I'm not eating Chipotle, Kyle, you know what I am eating? Butcher box. Yeah, that's because- what I, I mean. That's what I thought. Yeah, because they deliver it right to my door. Uh, I can either determine exactly what I want or they can just send me new stuff. I signed on and got free bacon in every box a while back. I'm, I'm just I'm just rocking and rolling, and it takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust. Trusting seafood, Kyle. I'm always concerned about trusting seafood, but not when it comes to uh not when it comes to butcher box. Yeah, I am too. I so the butcher box that I've had. Uh, I think I've said this on here. I'm not a great cook. I'm not terrible, but I'm not great. And my neighbor, uh, who lives two hours down, loves uh, to cook meat. So basically, when I get a box, I just take it all to him, and he just invites us over for 
uh, for cookouts all the time. So we both, everybody wins. It's great. Everybody wins and you can win too, because how about this offer? Take those chicken breasts off your grocery list because butcher box is offering our listeners an incredible deal that they've never been offered before. This one, I think this is better than the bacon deal. Free chicken for a year. Free chicken for a year. Get two pounds of free-range organic chicken best breasts for free in every order when you sign up at butcherbox.com slash first cut and use the code first cut. Claim this deal, butcherbox.com slash first cut. Use code first cut. Go get your butcher on. All right. KP. Season superlatives. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven categories. They are... Some of them are uh, designed to be fairly subjective, so we can kind of go in a couple of different routes, and uh, the fans can also get involved. So the first, the first superlative that we are going to go through, best viral moment, it's in the chat right now. So you can vote on what those are, but uh, what do you think about our categories for today? Uh, they're great. I think that I struggled with biggest winner and loser. Mm-hmm. because technically Scotty Scheffler was the the biggest winner. He won the most events, but that's not necessarily what this question means. So uh, do we want to start with viral moment or should we start with winner and loser? Well, let's start with viral moment because that's the one okay. that is in the chat right now. So, uh, oh, and it's pretty split. It's 54-46 right now. So my vote for best viral moment comes from the big cat. It's... uh. A three-second swing video he posted on the range that got everybody all fired up. I I mean, that was like the first time we'd seen really anything from Tiger. It was in November, and uh, that the rest is history. Played the PNC Championship, played three major championships. Yeah, it feels like it was 15 years ago when he released that video. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. It was kind of the ending to normal sport last year was, the, was that video, um, which is where we'll kind of pick it up again this year i guess but uh, it was people were freaking out i mean we were freaking out i think yeah it was great i i struggled because i didn't go with i think i if i was taking this like super seriously and like giving like a real answer i would have gone with tiger at uh at the open walking over the bridge right like that was insane that was the, I think that was the golf moment of the year. But I went with Harry Higgs and Joel Damon taking their shirts off of the Phoenix Open. The whole Phoenix Open, also very good. <laughs> the, the Phoenix Open was like a top three non major this year. I don't know if that's true, but in my head, I mean, you've got Sam Ryder and then making the one, and then everybody throws cups on the green, and then Higgs and Damon take their shirts off. You got Brooks in contention. You got Scheffler beating Cantlay in a playoff. You got Sahith in contention, nearly winning his first event. Phoenix Open was awesome. It was, it was awesome. really good. Yeah, and it's it's usually easy to be a prisoner of the moment for these superlatives. So I'm glad that we found a moment that happened in November and a moment that happened in, what, February? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which, which is nice. All right, the chat says, let's see, 56 to 44. They're going with Tiger the big guy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Biggest winner. Again, intentionally vague, right? Because the 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 right answer is Scotty Scheffler by all accounts. That's not where we ended up. We've we've kind of narrowed this list down a little bit. Let's talk through it. 
What did uh what did producer Jacob put in the poll in on you on YouTube? Uh he hasn't posted it yet. Okay. So <laughs> I'm gonna take Chef. I had a I had three names on here. I'm gonna take Scheffler out because we'll talk about him later. I think for me it's either either Matt Fitzpatrick or Rory. Mm. And I think there's a couple of different ways to look at it. I think on the course, Fitzpatrick uh, changed my mind the most about who he is as a player out of anybody. Like I think the most differently about him than anybody else than I or uh, of anybody in the world than I did 12 months ago. I mean, they showed this graphic Rick on Sunday. I think it was on 16. The three longest drives of the day were Scheffler, Rory, and Fitzpatrick. And it wasn't even that surprising, right? Because of of how Fitzpatrick has sort of transformed himself as a player. So I think Rory, obviously, off the course was a massive winner. I think a lot of people gained. I think some people are like very anti-Rory because of what he did this year, which I think is fine. But I think other people kind of saw the person that he, I think, tries to be. And that's not, you know, necessarily always true, but... Uh, and I wrote about this on Sunday night on cbssports.com, but like to have somebody that is good enough that his voice matters and bold enough to use it is a is a rarity in sports. And I thought that was pretty cool from Rory this year. So I would say Fitzpatrick on the course and Rory off of it. Would does Rory feel like a winner? And and maybe if I asked this question a week ago before he won the FedEx Cup, it might be a different answer. But I think. On the golf course, he probably wished he had a better year. And when you're just trying to defend the PGA, like, does he feel like mission accomplished, big, big win? I've had a great year. Do you think he feels that way? Uh, not as much as people would think. Yeah, I would say uh, he would trade everything this year for for another spot at uh at the masters for jumping up a spot at the masters for probably for the open too uh but i do think there's a sense of satisfaction when you've done something that i i, I think it's different than like let's say he wins the honda and the api and match play and travelers let's say those were just his four wins this year and none of the live stuff happened i think i think the i think this whole year was more meaningful and satisfactory for him because he felt like he was like sort of mattering in golf history. Like I, when you get in that echelon, the reason guys care about majors is because it, it affects golf history and Rory tiger cares a ton about golf history. I think Rory does. He nerds out on that stuff a lot, probably more than people think. And so to affect golf history and the future of the sport, I think is satisfactory, even if maybe he didn't win, not as much as he would have liked, but not the tournaments that he would have chosen. I opted for either Xander or Tony Finau, and I think I'd go with Finau, but both of them are kind of the same, the same idea here, right? Guys that needed wins getting wins, and Finau to rack up a couple and get to go into next season now what three or four times a winner not having to hear about how often he's finishing in the top 10 Xander same thing goes out wins a couple of events like I I think those guys um knock a chip off their shoulder a little bit obviously get the victories 
I I I think Finau is like one of the biggest winners of the year. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, how come no Cam for you? Which one, Smith? He's Smith, yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a good one. Um, I, I just I just think that there are other things that are bigger, right? Like, okay, so we had other major champions. We had guys that did more for the game off the course. And then I also think it's kind of a situation where I think so highly of Cam Smith that it was going to be hard to exceed that. So I think like the biggest winner is like someone who kind of exceeded what your baseline expectation was. And I was pretty fond of Cam Smith. Yeah. I think the reason I didn't have him on, I actually forgot to put him on here, but I, the part of the reason is I put him on player of the year. I want to talk about him there. Um, yeah, some people in the chat were just wondering about that. Okay, biggest loser? Yeah, biggest winner in the fans department. So the fans voted on this in the chat. They went 42% with Rory McIlroy as the biggest winner of the year. Did they have all, do we have all three of those up there? Fitzpatrick. They had Rory Fitzpatrick, Xander Finau. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Um, losers. Mine's Brooks. Loser. Yeah, Brooks. mine's Brooks Kepka. Can, can you remember a, a Brooks Kepka moment this year? Without looking, how many events did Brooks Kepka play this year? Oh, I've got it up. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like eighteen or something. Oh, let me read you his top finishes. Oh, okay. He finished T three at Phoenix, really good. T five at Match Play, forgot about that. That's the only thing I remember is that he made a run at match play. T9 at the Hero World Challenge. Doesn't count. Should right. count. Doesn't. Uh, T11 at Live Bedminster. That was his fourth best finish of the year. T12 at Valspar. T16 at Honda. And T16 at Live Portland. Those are all the top 25s. Missed the cut at the Players. Missed the cut at the Open. Missed the cut at the Masters. 55th at the US Open. 55th at the PGA Championship. Very bad for Brooks. And then still acts like he's the number one guy in the world when he does his press conference at Live. It, awesome. it was not it was not a and all of this after he gave the the interview to GQ last year right before the Ryder Cup where he said he was gonna win one major a year and overtake Tiger and Jack. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of things I feel like a long time ago. One a year. I, it was it was disappointing. I, I think Brooks is a great champion. I think that he's underrated as a champion. You win four majors in this era. That's sick. Like that is so good. And I'm disappointed. And some of this is not his fault. He, I think there's some injury stuff and all that lingering. And um, but it, I just thought it was a disappointing year. I thought he was. I thought he came out. He might have made more money this year than ever. But I think he came out. Uh, with me thinking about his legacy differently than uh, maybe more differently than anybody else. Yeah, it it was not a good year for Brooks. Um, he was he it was like he was a bully uh, to Bryson. Then he left with Bryson to go to live, but he gave like the how dare you talk about that at the U.S. Open? Uh, it was the whole thing was bad. I have two I have two options here. Uh. We've talked about this. I think the fans are the biggest losers of the year. We we lose. We lose on this. Uh, now we've got two leagues, 
And whether you think the competition in live is good or not, there are names that we've been used to seeing here. You mentioned earlier, 12 of the last 26 majors, those champions no longer reside on the PGA tour. We've got competition. We've got for the first time in a long time, uh, political discourse injected into our golf, which is not something we've always had to discover or, or talk about. We lose on this and we're probably going to lose moving forward. When Jay Monahan says, I've got to squeeze every, everything out of our sponsors moving forward. Yeah. I envision a lot of playing through. I envision a lot of whatever, right? Like we lose on this. How good was that? Uh, the commercial free tour championship back nine. I did not. Did they announce they were doing that? Uh, they not. Well, they announced it during the broadcast. I don't know if they announced it beforehand. Cause I was like, I have to pee so bad, but I haven't <laughs> had an opportunity. And that's when I realized I was like, they have not gone to commercial in two and a half hours. It was magnificent. I, I think that, um, one of the things that you're talking about with, it was magnificent. One of the things you're talking about with the fans is like, I think people have said like, well, why do you, why do you guys care? There's more golf and there's more leagues and like, that's great. And I think there's, there is some truth to that. I have enjoyed, I've legitimately enjoyed parts of the live events that I've watched. Um, but you take like, it cheapens all of it, right? It, when you don't have a unified top league, to me, and you could make the soccer argument counter to this, but it cheapens. Like if Rory wins the players, or let's say let's say Jordan Spieth wins the players next year, you can look back and say, well, he didn't beat Brooks, he didn't beat DJ, he didn't beat Bryson, he didn't beat all these guys, and it just it makes it it it, it everybody does lose, right? Like everybody loses out on what this thing could be, and has lived changed. Has the has the presence of lived changed the PGA Tour for the better? I think it has, but it does that doesn't necessarily mean the future of golf is what it could have been if live if live did not exist. If that, I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it does. It does. Um, my honorable mention was John Rahm, who I know he won this year, but when you enter the year as the number one player in the world, when you are the betting favorite, basically every single time you tee it up, when you have one of the greatest driving seasons ever compiled and your lone victory was the Mexico Open, that's like he's going to feel pretty damn disappointed about this year. Yeah, I agree. Best tournament. Oh, by the way, biggest loser. The winning vote for the fans, 49%. Brooks Kepka. That's your biggest loser from the chat. Yeah. Best tournament as we, there he is. Kyle, can you hear me? I got you. Okay. Best tournament. Uh, we have each chosen a major. Yours was the 150th edition of the open championship. Yeah. Part of it is because it was at St. Andrews. It was, you know, I thought Rory leading for the first three days was really compelling. And then Cam Smith 64 was unbelievable. It wasn't necessarily a great, like, I think your tournament had a better sort of one-two finish 
the open was a little weird because everybody there was rooting for Rory and kind of disappointed that this guy that they thought was going to live and did go to live eventually won. Uh, but I, I just, for me, my first experience at St. Andrews and seeing all that and right, getting to write Rory and tiger and, and cam and, you know, everything that happened there, that was, that was a pretty easy number one for me. Yeah, they were all special. And, and, uh, the open was obvious. I mean, I think these, I think these are one and two. I have the U S open. You have the open championship. The U S open was, um, I mean, the leaderboard was incredible, right? I mean, we, and it came down to literally like Zal Torres has a putt on the 18th green. Like it comes down to the, the, the final moment to push that thing to a playoff. But here, here, here was the, the leaderboard. Here was the top five at the U S open is Fitzy getting his first Scotty Scheffler, Will Zal Torres, one shot back Hideki Morikawa Rory. Like Dude, I forgot, I forgot Hideki didn't Hideki shoot like 65 on, on five. uh yeah. Sunday. That was yeah. crazy. And Fitzpatrick, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about it in a second. Hits that shot out of the fairway bunker. I mean, it's just, it was, it was really cool. But these are, these are clearly, these are one and two. I've got like no qualms about either one of these. Yeah. Uh, the fans pretty much heavily favor. Oh, it's actually it's getting a little closer, but uh, open championship. That's going to win 70% or so right now. Okay. This one I like most memorable shot, which oh, we could do this for an hour on its own. I think there's a lot of different ways to look at this because there are shots that are more impactful to tournaments and legacies and stuff like that, or shots that just you and I regular humans are in incapable of hitting. That's right. I, I went with like, cause you could pick like seven of those from every event, right? I went with more like what the context was around uh, the theme of this podcast is context, I guess, but what the context was around uh, a lot of these shots in major championships or big events. Ooh, I forgot about this one that Jacob's putting in there right now. Also, a real that's a great one from Jacob, and there's one in the chat that is great that we'll have to talk about. Okay, so where do you even want to start here? There's so many. Uh, let's just go back and forth. You go first. And then if I had it, I won't. I'll just say I had it and go to mine. All right. Matt Fitzpatrick out of the fairway bunker on 18. Said it was one of the best shots he ever hit. Obviously, ends up winning him a U.S. Open. It was it was insane because it it felt like a moment where he could kick the tournament away. And right. he hit the shot of his life to win it. And that's like, that's when the pressure is just, you're like, I, I, this is a hard shot regardless. I think he actually said it wasn't that hard of a shot, which is very Phil like, but the pressure makes it uh, even more so. So I had that one also. I had, um, uh, this was kind of a combo, Rory and, and Morikawa in the bunker on 18 at Augusta. I'm glad you, I had, I just had Rory holding out from the bunker on 18. I forgot the Morikawa part of this. Yeah. Which is, which just like when I read that in the outline, just brought me back to Augusta. It was, like, it was, was awesome. I went back and watched both of them, both of those shots, and Rory's was up the hill and went down, and Morikawa's was straight on and went in. And they were both, I mean, Rory shot what, 64. I think Morikawa finished like T4 that day. It was it was pretty special. I re, I I lament I was out with Scheffler. I lament not being on 18 when that happened. Uh Hideki Matsuyama's three wood at Sony in the playoff, which was like two, I forget what the number was, 275 yards. He stuffs it 
wins the play. That's the shot that not even no normal human can hit, but there was a stat out there, maybe Lou Stagner had it, of shots that were hit from pros from like 270 yards and out, how many finished within five feet or whatever Hideki was, and his shot was basically the only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was... It was inc- it was incredible. That, I think that'll be a poster in in normal sport too this year for sure. Uh, what do I have next? I had this one got a little buried, and I don't. I wasn't there for it. I picked Scheffler up later on in the day, but he holed out on three on Sunday. This is good. I forgot about this. When it started, it could have started like coming undone a little bit, like it did at the Tour Championship, right? Uh, but he held out on three on Sunday for a birdie and it just didn't, I mean, Rory was sort of there, but it didn't really get that close after that. Yes. That was a massive moment. It just happened a lot earlier in the round than we usually, uh, we usually think about these. Okay. So one from the chat, which is great. And we'll kind of go hand in hand with one that you have here. Mito Pereira's drive into the water on 18 at Southern Hills, which that's, memorable for another reason right like we're we're talking about all the good shots but remember he's he's standing on the tee box there two two up right two clear hits it in the water makes double and jt jt gets in wins in a playoff yeah that was maybe the most consequential shot of the year like in terms of it changed it could have changed wills alatoris's life it did change jt's life it i mean it changed you know, does Mito is Mito playing for live right now? If he wins the PGA, there's just so many different things that that affected. Uh, there is a, there, a JT shot from Southern Hills is also on your list here. Yep. I had JT's approach on 18 in regulation. So not the playoff, but regulation. I was standing, uh, fairly close to it and he was like screaming at it and he was so i have never seen a i don't know that i've ever seen a golfer be that intense like when like staring down a shot i mean tiger obviously but outside of tiger and it landed i went back and watched it It landed i don't know five feet right of the hole and kind of bounced up and he had a i think he missed the putt uh and finished at five or whatever to get in the playoff but went on to win that shot to me was just it was so good. Like the drive he hit, he hit that kind of rolling like cutter. Um, but then the shot into 18 was just, oh, it was it was the best. It was so awesome to see him in, in person. Most of the shots that we talk about are full shots or like, you know, shots that go end up going down. Uh, Cam Young putting around the road hole bunker. Yep. Getting up and down is and we talked about this ad nauseum uh during that week it's like when when i saw his ball was there there was no way he was getting up like it just wasn't happening it's a five like that's a five when you play from there yeah he skirts the bunker rolls it up there makes the putt obviously then we know what happens yeah that i don't i'm with you i don't think about putts that often uh maybe rom last year at the u.s open on 17 and 18, but that from cam was, I, I had that on my list too. I, I I actually think like when I think back on this season, if you say, what's the, what's the most memorable shot of 2022, five years from now, that's the one that I'll think of either that or Fitzpatrick, probably uh, somebody had a great call out in the chat. 
that said the best putt of the year was actually Harold Varner the Third's eagle to win um, the Saudi International. That was insane. I was watching that I think live, and it was shocking, like that it that it went in. Well, it's because he almost he was trying to cough that away, right? He had made bogey or double like a hole or two before, and that's three putt territory where you might not yeah. end up winning this thing or you might not even be getting into a playoff and he drains it and he goes nuts it was a it was a very exciting moment for like yeah for, for sure that was uh yeah that, that's a great call out uh, i don't think i had anything that you didn't have i had hideki at sony i had I'd, i will say if rory makes the putt on 17 at the road hole the shot he hit into 17 oh. would would be up there that shot was that shot's so hard. Like it was filthy and he didn't make the putt, didn't go on to win. But if he does go on to win, that would have been up there for me. And then producer Jacob, I'll let you take this Rick, but producer Jacob's got one that we, I don't know how I forgot about it, but somehow we both forgot about it. This is phenomenal. It's uh Jordan Spieth at Pebble beach with basically one foot in the cliff. Like this is so good. How did we forget this? Cause it happened in January. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, it was yeah, Jordan, Jordan Spieth just makes memories at Pebble beach and they're not, necessarily all great i mean you have to love it that it it just is like the entire speed roller coaster encompassed in like one one image which i think is what makes it great right that that would be my nomination that's a good one the most the the shot we saw the most was sam Ryder's ace because they yep. just we just saw that that was great. That that was cool. Like I I love that. Colt knows uh, his reaction to it was hilarious. Him and him and Amanda Renner were sitting there and uh they freaked out. It, the whole thing was it was awesome. And it led to my Ryder Cup Ryder Cups tweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Cuz they threw cups on the green. I think Rich Lerner took that for a golf channel. No That's credit. Good. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Uh the chat has gone it was close for a while. We were tied, but uh, with 42% of the vote, Cam Young getting up and down at the road hole. Uh, then Fitz Smith. Right Cam Smith. What did I say? Cam, Cam Young. Cam Young. Cam, no. Cam Young got up and down on 18. That was sick. Uh, that was that, that should have been on here. Fitzy, Fitzy's bunker shot, 34%. Mito's drive on 18. And then Rory at Augusta, 11%, I guess, because, yeah, finished second. Yeah, the the can I think Cam Smith's the right answer there. I think that's the I think that's the call. Uh two more to go. Player of the year, rookie of the year. Player of the year, I, I think you and I like I think there's a clear one, two, three of this. Yeah, is, it's 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 Scotty, Cam, and Rory in, right. in that order. I don't I don't you could argue that Cam is ahead of Scotty depending on how you feel about the players championship, but Scotty won for the top 12 events of the year. And it would be different for me if Scotty won like the Sanderson and the Honda and the American express. He won, he won Bay Hill. He won Phoenix. He won match play and he won the masters. Um, so yeah, I, I, I will listen to cam Smith art. Right, now you got me confused. I almost said cam young. I will listen to Cam Smith arguments for player of the year, but I, I think at the end of the day, I would have to go Scotty just because uh, 
the stats are better overall like and i care about that stuff and then his wins there are more of them and they were i think overall i mean a third of the top 12 events you're the winner of and you're i just don't know how you're not player of the year yeah and scotty also had like a bunch of really good runner-up finishes uh he made four million dollars more although i i i'm not a hot take machine but like you you might not be able to win player of the year if you cough up a six, six shot lead at the tour championship on sunday well they've been doing this thing where they own they just give it to whoever won the tour the fedex cup we can't do that this year like we can't like we have to get away from that we have to give it to scotty i i, I agree but on the flip side if the true if that if he coughed that up in January, we're not, we don't even care about it. It's just because it was the most recent thing. And Rory had a great year and won the FedEx cup, but cannot like, cannot be player of the year with your other two wins being Canadian open. And no, no, I mean, Rory said it on Sunday. He's like, Scotty will be player of the year. So I don't, I think the interesting part is I did this thing for normal sport that year, uh, excuse me, last year where I picked like the five guy, like the top five, like the all NBA team, so to speak. I don't know who the other two are. Yeah, that, going, that's, that's the conversation I want to have. Like, who's fourth? Who's fifth? I was, <laughs> I was going through it today. I think your options are Fitzpatrick, Xander, JT, and Cantlay. And I don't know who it is. JT won a major. Mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick won a major. Xander won three times. Mm-hmm. And Cantlay won the BMW and had better numbers than maybe all those guys. I, I think th- I think the top five is really, really tough for me. Zalatoris made more money than everybody else, not named Scotty Scheffler and Camp Smith. Yeah. Kind of yeah. unbelievable major season. I mean, I, I would go, my top five would be Scotty, Cam, Rory, uh, Xanders, uh, and Zalatoris. That would be my five. Okay. So, Zan- so Zalatoris over JT Fitzpatrick and Cantlay. Yeah. I don't love it, but that's I, 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 the body of the Will Zalator's body of work with the victory, uh, and getting unlucky at the end of the year to not. I mean, there's a really good chance if Zalator stays healthy, he wins the FedEx Cup, right? Yeah. And I know I can't, I can't give him credit for that, but I'm not gonna knock him for it either. Yeah, he was so, so good in the majors, too. That, that's interesting. I, I will throw him in certainly for consideration i i don't know where i'm gonna land on that i think it's i i'm gonna just you know agonize over who to put in the five there because you can make a really good argument for for all of them my quick count i think there's nine guys that won multiple times which is crazy scotty let me see if let me see if let me see if i can name them you got you could definitely gotten those two scotty i didn't hear what you said sam burns okay so you're at scotty and sam burns um Rory. Correct. Uh Xander. Hold on. I lost you after Rory. Who's after Rory? Xander. Xander. Four. Um, are you counting are you counting team events? I'm counting the PGA can't, tour events. Can't lay. Can't lay. Uh so there's four more. Yeah. There's four more. Yeah. Almost it was almost big sep. Big sep almost oh Finau. Some I'm looking at the chat. That's cheating. Finau. Finau's Finau's in there. Uh 
it's got to be uh did i say cam cam smith no you did not okay so you've got you've got uh how many is it? you have two more and oh i know okay yeah two more it has to be like a uh Spieth only won once. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. I, is one of them a top ten player? Like, should I get it? You should get both of these. You just <laughs> hold on, hold on. I don't want to be embarrassed here. I'm not looking at the chat. It's got to be somebody named Cameron. Uh, <laughs> They're just, they came earlier in the year. Neiman didn't, Neiman Hudson Swafford won the American Express. Sepp won the Honda. Uh, Tom Hoagie won Pebble. That was a weird stretch, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, who won Sony? Hideki won twice. Hideki, Sony, and Zozo. Yeah. One more. Yeah. One more. And who won match? Scotty won match play. JJ Spawn won the Texas Open. Uh, I said Burns. Um, KH Lee won the Byron Nelson again, didn't he? Yeah, he defended. Uh, Taylor Gooch won. I don't know. Just give it to me. Max Homo. Ah! Oh! <laughs> He won the fourth. He won the first. He won the first event. He's yeah. He's gonna. Def- he's our next defending champion. <laughs> uh, there was a couple of comments in the chat about Victor. Uh, technically, Victor has one win. Mayakoba, the Hero World Challenge, not an official win. The, the, we got. We have to figure something out with the official wins, like the Tour Championship thing. The Hero. The Hero is harder to win than like the American Express, and yet we give. You know, guys get into the Masters because they won the the whole thing is like so weird. Rookie of the year, we probably should have started with this one because this is like the biggest layup in uh, out of all of them. It's Cam Young by a mile. Yeah, and then Sahith. Yeah, who who overtook Davis Riley? I think in like the second half, Davis Riley was making a kick. Davis Riley had a six or eight week stretch from Zurich to whatever where he was making a very strong case for rookie of the year, but kind of uh, faltered. Now, T- Tom Kim got a, was the only one who got a win, I think. Oh, no, that's not true because... No. Uh, I have I it. Have a, it was... Uh, Chad Ramey. Chad Ramey. Ramey won. Tom Kim won. Yeah, those are the only two rookies that had wins. But Tom Kim only had 11 starts. This is like, where do you rank... He, he, like he made 10 of 11 cuts. He had yeah, I, and a win. <laughs> I can't, I can't do Tom Kim because he didn't really participate in the majors and that just matters so much to me. So I still would go, I would go cam. I would go Sahith second. Although Sahith had five top tens and 32 starts and Tom Kim had three and 11 starts. You could talk me into, you could talk me into Tom Kim being second. I think I could be too. So I might go Cam, Tom Kim, and then Sahith. Yeah. Davis, Davis probably, he lost to, uh, what, Burns at Valspar? Correct. 
And then meet, I mean, if Mito wins the PGA championship, this is obviously a different conversation. Yeah. Uh, those are the big five young Sahith, Davis, Riley, Tom Kim, Mito Pereira. Then you get to like Chad Ramey, who's the only one or one of only two actually won. Pendrith only had a couple of starts or actually, no, he had a bunch and then he got hurt for a while. Taylor Moore, Alex Smalley, Aaron Rye. Those are like your top 10 ish. Yeah. Rookies. Brandon Wu for top tens. Yeah. All right. Okay. I think we did an hour and a half. Wow. Uh, tomorrow, we've got the International President's Cup captain, Trevor Immelman. What are we going to ask him? I don't know. I saw him at uh, Augusta this year, and I was sitting by the uh, by the clubhouse, and he's like, why do you not ever give me any good lines to say on air? And I'm like, well, you don't. You don't pay me to be your to be your guy to feed you lines, so maybe that's what he'll ask for tomorrow when he comes on. We we can ask him if Mark has any eligibility to play in the Presidents Cup. Actually, yeah, I mean, this, here's here's just a little uh, little teaser for tomorrow. So I'm looking at the international team standings. Cam Smith number one, Joaquin Neiman number four. Uh, so that's obviously not happening. So now he's going to have to get down to like. The Ryan Foxes, Mackenzie Hughes of the world. Honor Bond was 15th. Yeah. I mean, the thing about the international team is you'll still know the names, I think, that are on there unless he goes like really deep with some unproven young guys, right? Like Mackenzie Hughes is a name that people know. It's not, it's just not going to be, it's, it's going to be a tough scene at Quail Hollow. Get me Cam Davis on that team. Yeah, for sure. Cam Davis and yeah, we'll figure it out along the way. Cam Davis, you can at least like roll out against a a, a Xander and feel like there's a chance, you know? Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I don't know. We'll see. It, it'll it'll be a good combo. All right, that's coming tomorrow, and I think we're also putting something in the can for tomorrow, but we'll see how that comes. Uh, all right. Big thanks to Bruce Jacob, all the hard work behind the scenes. Kyle Porter available on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.